to A Texan's View of the World with your host, Jeb Bashaw. Good afternoon, friends. My name is Jeb Bashaw, and this is my podcast, A Texan's View of the World. I want to give a special shout out to all my friends and followers. As you know, the podcast is available on iTunes, Google, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. If you enjoy what you hear, I'd appreciate your passing along to a friend or family member or coworker. My subject today is baseball, America's pastime. In the famous film Bull Durham, Susan Sarandon paraphrases Walt Whitman when she says, I see great things in baseball. It's our game, the American game. It will repair our losses and be a blessing to us. After the year we've had in 2020, we can use all the help we can get in repairing our losses and being a blessing to us. This past weekend, my formerly beloved Astros lost in a tough game seven to the Tampa Bay Rays. Another 2020 disaster. So why do I say formally? I say formally because political correctness has taken the joy out of all professional and college sports. But I'll talk about that later. Back to baseball. As most of you know, my father died when I was seven. That summer, my mom signed me up for baseball. I'm not sure if I wanted to play baseball, but my mom was looking for something for me to do. I immediately fell in love with it, all aspects of it, except batting. I had played t-ball before, but never what we referred to as live pitch. You see, there's t-ball, dad's pitch, pitching machine, and of course, live pitch. In my first bat, in live pitch, the ball was coming right at my head. Because I was used to people not hitting me, I stood there and watched that ball come all the way into my nose. The minute it hit my nose, my nose exploded like a pinata. There was blood everywhere. My coach was a wonderful man named Aloysius Wadoski. Coach Wadoski ran onto the field and immediately hugged me, bloody nose and all. He pulled out a handkerchief from his back pocket and held to my nose while someone went and got ice. Coach immediately held the ice to my face. Needless to say, this was a pretty gruesome sight. Remarkably, after a few seconds, the excitement and the horror had died down. Coach Wadowski tapped me on the butt, and down to first base I ran. Everyone clapped. Wow, I thought. That wasn't much fun, but if the point was to get on base, here I am. And that was my introduction to baseball. If you know anything about baseball or Bel Air, Texas, baseball was very big in Bel Air, Texas. You see, back then, no one specialized. There was no Baseball USA or traveling teams, or if there were, I didn't know anything about that, and we probably couldn't have afforded them anyway. We played sports in season. In other words, football in the fall, basketball in the winter, and baseball in the spring. Today, by the time they're 10 years old, kids have already decided or been told what their sport is going to be, their sport. For me, baseball was my sport. I hated football. Actually, I loved watching it. I just didn't like to hit people, and I sure as hell didn't like to be hit. We had a game called Bullring at Holy Ghost. Bullring involved everyone having a number. There was one guy in the middle. Coach Gallagher would call a number. The person in the middle would have to hear the number, spin around, find the person coming at him, and be ready to be hit. Frankly, I just wanted to fall on the ground in a fetal position. I didn't want to hit anybody, and I didn't want to get hit. 
but basketball was great fun. I'm not blessed with speed, but I had a good eye and could shoot free throws like Larry Bird. Okay, maybe not like Larry Bird, but a hell of a lot better than Hakeem Olajuwon. But when basketball was over, I couldn't wait for baseball to begin. Baseball was my sport. I got to pitch and play shortstop, and I wasn't even the coach's son. I love everything about baseball. It just makes so much sense. Three bases and a home plate in a beautiful diamond formation. Nine players per side. You bat in order. Everyone gets to bat. And thank God, only once in nine times. The positions are numbered. One for pitcher, two for catcher. The infield bases are order, three, four, five, from first to second to third. And then you go back to the shortstop, which is number six position. And then the outfield, ending with the right fielder in the ninth spot. It all just makes so much sense. I love the lines all the way down to the fence. The fact that the batter has a box he stands in. By the way, I hated to catch, too. Did I mention that? I liked all the equipment, but I had a funny way of getting foul balls between my legs. And by the way, cups don't really work. They just dull the sensation. I got hit in the arms, the helmet. The funny thing is that as bad as I was at catching, my son Travis was absolutely spectacular. I'll never forget the time he told me he wanted to catch. I wanted to say, ugh, we don't catch, pal. But he had the biggest smile. He was a very good catcher, and more on that later. I played baseball for eight years. It was wonderful. I still love the smell of the fresh-cut grass. I coached for another 12 years, both before I had kids and after my daughter and son were born. I love baseball. One of the best things about growing up in Houston was having a professional team. From the time I was three, I was going to baseball games. In the day, my father was a sales manager at the Shamrock Hilton. The Shamrock was one of the great hotels of the 20th century and was built as an homage to its developer, Glenn McCarthy, a Houston Wildcatter. If you aren't from Texas, let me tell you what a Wildcatter is. A Wildcatter was an old man who drilled deep, expensive holes in the ground in hopes he would hit oil. Not like today, where with technology, almost 99% of the holes drilled hit oil. And believe me, a dry hole is an expensive hole. So all the visiting teams would stay at the Shamrock because it was down the street from the eighth wonder of the world, the Astrodome, the home of the Houston Astros. I got to meet the greats like Rusty Staub and Joe Pepitone and Roger Metzger. I met Nolan Ryan and Larry Durker. And if you noticed, I named a few Astros. It's because they came back to the Continental Room in the hotel for drinks back then. All the players were friends. As I got older, and I love baseball, have I mentioned that? My mom signed me up for the Astro Buddies. The Astro Buddies was an organization that allowed young people to buddy up with a player. My Astro Buddy was Cesar Cedeno, the famed outfielder. He played for the Astros for 11 years. I got to get my picture taken with Cesar, and we all got Astro Buddies t-shirts. There are at least hundreds, if not thousands, of Astro Buddies. And the neatest part was after the game, they let us run onto the field to run the bases. Let's just say those were good times. I had the great pleasure to play with some really good players in Bel Air. On my 12-year-old All-Star team, I think nine of the players went to some level of minor league play. I was not one of them. I'm not sure if I was good enough or if I had the heart, but I grew up and other things caught my interest. You see, 
I always thought baseball was just pure and unadulterated fun. I'm still amazed that anyone would ever get paid to play a game I love so much. When I say unadulterated, I mean no adults could ruin it. But things have changed. One of the best stories I ever heard was about Craig Reynolds and Terry Poole. These two were great Astros and great for the community. In the offseason, baseball players back in those days had what we would call real jobs. And these two were at one of the local stock brokerage firms. The story goes that one day, Terry walked in and said, I'm out. Craig reportedly exploded. What do you mean? You're a fan favorite. This is BS. I'm calling the Chronicle. Terry closed the door, looked at him and said, what the hell's wrong with you? Craig looked at him and said, I can't believe the Astros cut you. Cut me, Terry replied. No, they didn't cut me. I just retired. Well, Craig calmed down and said, oh, wow, that's good. I didn't even know your contract was up. Terry looked at him and said, it's not. I just decided to hang it up. Again, Craig became exercise. Quit. You can't quit. We don't quit. If they're willing to pay us to play a kid's game that we love, we take the damn money. And I always think of that because it is a kid's game. It's America's game. There are no two things more entrenched in the American psyche besides baseball and America and maybe only Chevrolet and apple pie. So as I got older and started my career, I came back to the game I loved as a coach. I didn't have any kids, but I wanted to meet the neighbors. I got to coach the Tigers. Growing up, I was now Al K-Line fan and a Mickey Lolich fan, so I was excited to take the Tigers' mantle into the Post Oak Little League. My first year, I got a potluck team. In other words, I drafted a team having never seen any of the players. I took a kid named Afif Baltaji, and here's the story. Growing up, I was a huge fan of Campy Campanaris when he played for the Oakland A's. I thought Campy was Italian. I was wrong. He was from Cuba. But when I think back on that, I chuckled. You know, the shortest book ever written, Famous Italian Baseball Players? Anyway, I use this, quote, knowledge, I'm doing air quotes right now, to describe how I came up with the idea that Afif Baltaji was also Italian. He wasn't. He was Lebanese. So if the shortest book ever written was Famous Italian Major League Players, the second shortest book was Famous Lebanese Sports Stars. As Afif showed up for the first day, he didn't have a glove and he didn't have a hat. I asked him, are you right-handed or left-handed? I was going to give him my mitt. He said, I don't know, coach. Well, we were off to a great start. I'm pretty sure Afif's parents signed him up to get him out of the house. At age 10, Afif was almost as big as I was. To quote the famous Dewey Oxenberger, Afif swallowed a lot of aggression and a lot of pizza, but he was a wonderful young man. He was a born right fielder, but progressed to a first baseman if he had to in a pinch. Afif had a wonderful spirit about him and was just happy to be on the team. Each child had to play every other inning and bat in order. As it was Afif's turn to bat, I yelled, Baltaji, you're up. I looked around and there was no Afif. Needless to say, this was not good. I was scared to death. I immediately scanned the whole field and couldn't find him. What was I going to tell his parents? How do you lose a kid in a closed environment? Well, about 10 seconds later, 
A thief came back into the dugout, holding a hot dog and a Coke. Where the hell have you been, I yelled. With tears welling his eyes, he responded, I was hungry, coach. I took a deep breath, hugged him, and said, All right, I'm glad you're okay. Now put down the doggone hot dog and get in the field. I loved Afif. Ten years later, I was a blockbuster video, and that should tell you how old I am, and I was trying to get a movie and get home. I'm sure I wasn't being particularly nice to the clerk, maybe just dismissive. I gave him my blockbuster card and credit card. The young man looked up from the register and said, Coach, how are you? It's Afif. Interesting little boy had grown into quite the grown-up man. I tell you this because baseball has something for everyone. I've always remembered a thief because baseball isn't just about the stars. It's about the kids that want to play. Some years later, I was coaching my son, Travis. Travis was always big for his size and sadly imbued with his father's speed. Travis was quick, however, quick-footed and quick-witted. Of all the years I coached him, I spent most of the time yelling, Get back on base! Travis thought he was one of the great base stealers of all time. I can still see the smile on his face as he led off a first base. He loved baseball as much as I did and do. As mentioned earlier, Travis was a catcher by choice. He was also a pitcher and a first baseman. I know what you're thinking. Coach's son gets all the good positions. But he was seriously that good. And frankly, he was scary. My favorite remembrance was one of the dads sent his player home. The kid got halfway down the third baseline and saw Travis standing there. He locked up and went back with his coach yelling at him the whole way back. The little boy looked at Travis, looked at his coach, and shook his head. No way he was going to try to steal home on Travis Bashaw. Even my wife loves baseball. Some of our earliest dates were going to watch the Astros at the Minute Maid Field. She often reminds me of her coaching experience. My wife had put together a team of girls to play the boys. Appropriately, her team was named the Angels. In those days, there were no girls baseball, and so after consternation, the league gave her a team. Our girls played on the Angels together. My wife had a great time coaching, although some of the skills the girls learned were not readily available to the boys. While we were yelling, hey, batter, what's the matter? The girls were doing cheers that required hand motions, jumping, and of course, a much better chorus of words. The girls seemed to have much better motor skills for that type of thing. My wife seems to remember that her team, the Mighty Angels, went undefeated. And that's the way I remember it, too. Wink, wink. I've seen every baseball movie ever made, from the Lou Gehrig story to Bull Durham to Major League to Field of Dreams to The Natural and For the Love of the Game. By the way, Kevin Costner needs to only make baseball movies and stay out of the water, in my humble opinion. So baseball has been part of my life and our kids' life and my married life. My honeymoon was in Asheville, North Carolina, where my wife and I spent our first night as man and wife, eating hot dogs and watching the Asheville tourists play on a beautiful May night in North Carolina. So why after all that, why did I initially say my formerly beloved Astros? It's probably not their fault. Maybe it's a sign of the times. I'm not mad because people they say they cheated. I'm not mad because they say Roger Clemens took performance-enhancing drugs. I'm not mad because they say Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire were on the juice. I'm mad that because in a game that is America's game, played now by a bunch of millionaires, 
a game so holy that it has outlasted every major event in this country's history, including two world wars, Vietnam, Korea, a presidential assassination, and a game that brought us together after 911. I have to hear a bunch of crap about Black Lives Matter and police brutality. I don't watch baseball for social or political commentary. I watch baseball to remind me of all the great times in my life, all the great times in the life of this country, the resiliency that came after 911 when the New York Yankees brought baseball back to life. I watch baseball to remind me of what's right about this country. The rules are finite, three strikes you're out, four balls you walk, three outs, and the other team comes to bat. It's really that simple, and so is life if we don't get caught up in misleading narratives and make-believe victimhood. Throw in the fact that despite all the things I named, including the pandemic of the Spanish flu in 1918, baseball has never missed a beat until this year. So I'm mad and hurt that this game I love so much had the joy to be taken out of it by a series of occurrences that should have never happened. I'm mad because for the first time I didn't get to go to a game this year with my son or wife or daughter to have a hot dog and a cold overpriced beer with friends and yell at the umpire standing behind the plate that he was wrong and that from 300 feet away I had a better vantage point to call a ball a strike. Maybe I'm just mad at the world and taking it out on baseball. I'll get over it. I always do. We always do. Because that's what Americans do. We get over things and move on. It's not Major League Baseball players' place to ruin the game, but they tried with some help from the NBA and the NFL. You see, to me, baseball is sacrosanct. It's too important or valuable to be interfered with. Baseball is not tied together by a cord held by a bunch of millionaires holding a rope and taking a knee. It's tied together by our collective experiences as Americans through the ages. It's what tied me to my dad, Chuck, when he took me to the first game at the Astrodome to see the Yankees play the Astros. It's what tied me to my son when I took him to the last game at the Astrodome, completing the circle of my father's life. It's what tied me to him again when I took him to the first game at Enron Field and tied me to my kids when we went to the first ever World Series game in Houston. It's what tied me to my daughter and her husband when I sent them to a playoff game as well. And finally, it's what tied me to my wife when we went and saw the Astros win their first ever World Series game in Houston with our friends. So I wasn't as invested in baseball or the Astros like I had been in the past. Maybe this year just put me in a foul mood, pun intended. I'm sure I'll get over my pity party and be a diehard fan again next year. I'm sure I'll stand when Chester Charge plays his trumpet, and yells, Charge! Doggone it, I'm getting excited again already about next year. All right, I'll say it. Let's go, Astros. Thanks for listening. Today was a general reminder to me that yesterday is history, tomorrow's a mystery, and today is a gift from God, which is why we call it the present. My name is Jeb Bashaw, and this has been my podcast, A Texan's View of the World.